0: We've just, like, started midline because it was a conversation we were having previous to recording.
1: That's fine. You know? We can do that now that recording is happening. (laughs) That's playing in here outside of the headphones. Is it? Yes.
0: Whoa! Yeah, it is.
1: Is that supposed to happen? (laughs) Did you do that?
0: (laughs) So, wait, hold on. Clink, drink to that. Jink. Clink. Clink. Good lord. Just cut all of this out. Shit.
2: Everything else from here is Mark.
1: So. Wait, we're not recording over Mark's shit, right?
2: How dare you call Mark's work shit?
1: <laughs> Do we sing? Can we sing a little?
2: anybody have a song? Ah. Uh, oh no, that's oh not. Not. I was <laughs> hoping <laughs> that you guys would <laughs> just sing
0: the the the, the.
2: In the jungle, the quiet jungle, the lions sleep tonight. moa, 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 No, <laughs> okay, no.
0: The fucking, it was missed and you missed it. <clears throat>
1: And welcome to A Strange Exchange with Seth. And Lo. Hi.
0: Hi. For those of you who are just joining us, hi, I'm Lo. I'm Seth. And I'm in
2: the control room.
1: Hi, in the control room. I'm (laughs) dad.
0: That's, uh, that's...
1: So that's how we... uh, That's the
0: comptroller. Uh, we call her Compi.
2: Thank you so much. That's a great name. I appreciate it. I will, I will strive to live up to that.
1: So Pride Month just ended. June is over now. It was a wow. great and, and prideful month.
0: I was about to say that would be a really good time for like the clapping sound effect.
1: <laughs> That's not it. <laughs> Definitely not that one.
0: All right, but hurrah. It's Yay. a happy fire. Uh, I don't even know what that sound was. All right. um, Happy Pride Month to anybody who's celebrating.
1: To everybody who should be celebrating.
0: I think everybody's a little bit LGBTQ+. Definitely.
2: Are we gonna, okay, so all you straight people, this is where you start to feel gayed out. And don't feel offended. This is how we feel all the time. Just bear through it. It's going to be fun. We're good at this.
0: When I was uh, the young age of 19 years old, I worked at a strip club for nine days and uh, I worked as a server it's not like a waitress job you don't just like have a table and you keep them every fucking woman to herself at that point so I kept going over to this table because it had a very very old man sitting at it probably my fourth or fifth day Uh, he, yeah, he would pay me like two or three bucks every time I came by his table. And he always wanted to talk to me, but it was mostly harmless. And he was with a middle-aged woman. And, uh, at some point he like sat me down and like made me talk to him for a conversation and told me he had also like grown up in the Midwest and like bought a bunch of businesses in the Midwest and how he was like super, super famous there and stuff. And like, he was (laughs) a millionaire and all of this bullshit. But at the end of it, I remember he looked at me and he was just like, do you know why I'm here? I was like, no, I don't. He was like, well, uh, you know, I'm a little bit bisexual. I was like, okay, that's cool. And he was just like, and she's a little bit bisexual. I was like, all right. And he was like, and you're a little bit bisexual. I was like, well, yeah. yeah. Like, again, yeah, <laughs> you're right. And he was like, everybody's a little bit bisexual. And that was pretty much the end of our conversation. But for some goddamn reason, this like ninety-five-year-old man telling me that everybody around me was a little bit bisexual, and then that by default everyone was a little bisexual—that stuck with me. So I live by—I live by that guy's words: is uh,
2: everybody's a little bit bisexual? That's one of my favorite jokes. Everyone's a little bit bisexual. What's the difference between a marine and a homosexual? A six-pack
0: hi everybody we love gay
1: <laughs> gay is shit all up in we here we
0: love gay
1: not gay gtfo
0: not gay well, can't play
1: at least be gay for pay
0: <laughs> oh so hi everybody welcome to the gay segment is it
2: just
1: Queer, yeah. Okay, a, is
2: queer yeah. No, okay? I'm, I'm. Is queer, queer is,
1: okay? Yeah,
0: is queer okay?
2: There is no way I'm not queer.
0: Okay, cool. Because <laughs> that's really the biggest thing right now. Is I was gonna blanket us all under the word queer. Because it's is like fine. I'm pansexual.
2: He's gay. Cool. I'm you're, sorry. It's ambiguous. The there, there was never. Any, Everyone's whatever the There was. Fuck. There was. I, I don't think I've ever given anybody the impression I'm straight.
0: Pretty much everybody I encounter, I'm like, yeah, you're a little bit bisexual. You're a little bit bisexual. You know what? You yeah, are it's, everybody.
1: It's amazing how people don't consider the Kinsey scale for anything other than like you're just a fucking gay.
0: Right, you're gay like, or you're not you're gay. You're all the
1: way up on there, but everyone's on it no matter what you're if if you are 100% straight, you're still there. It's you're on, still the on the, the scale. The scale is for is everyone's on it. So Yeah,
2: in the in the south they used to say you could drive a truck all over town all your life and people want to call you a truck driver because you never really left town, you know, but you suck one cock and you are a cocksucker for the rest of your life.
0: And that's why I loved this, like, 85-year-old man that came into the goddamn strip club and told me that (laughs) everybody's a little bit bisexual. (laughs) I mean, I shouldn't include the fact that he invited me to be a lesbian prostitute right after the fact, but, you know...
1: You didn't, but then you did.
2: That is such a grandfather
1: kind of thing to do, though. Isn't it? Being queer is something we all have very well embraced at this We're point. all
2: queer here.
1: We're all queer here. I love it. That's the title of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> so, we, you know, it's all good. But um, it wasn't always all good. And it's not always all good for everyone, which is hard. We all had different experiences with how that worked out for us.
0: Yeah. Um, I think I probably, out of the three of us, I probably had it the easiest. Um, I grew up, my parents divorced when I was four. Um, I, you know, was born to a heterosexual man and woman. Whoa. <clears throat> I know, wild, Wild. Right? Wild. And uh, my parents got divorced when I was four, and my mom met Carolyn that same year, and they ended up, you know, falling in love. And so my stepmom has been my stepmom for 21 years now, and... Uh, she's been a part of my life pretty much almost like memory wise almost the same amount of time that my dad has and my mom has it's all like kind of the same time
2: period to me wait so your moms were gay like in the 90s yeah I have to remember to shake your mom's hand again
0: god damn it I have to find a way to say this my dad's never gonna listen to this podcast (laughs) um I was and and Jerry if you
2: do good on you baby
1: Love you, Jer.
0: And Jerry, you were an awesome father. Just don't listen to this. So, uh, yeah, I was I was raised by primarily, primarily lesbian women for most of my life. And uh, I think that had a huge impact on um, my expression of sexuality. I don't think it had an impact on my sexuality. Obviously, I, I think that that's something that I would have experienced either way but I do believe that it enabled me to be more forward with it and more open with it and more accepting of it and of the sexuality and whatever of the people around me because I was constantly surrounded by gay people.
2: I'm about to bite through my tongue. Well, we actually there was a really apropos uh, Will and Grace episode not very long ago where he was going out with a 23 year old dude. Uh, Will was remember mm-hmm. that episode, mm-hmm. and it's there was a there was a very apropos speech there. It's because like, I mean, there was so much time where being gay wasn't just something that you were th- whether you were going to express it or not or have like an opportunity to or anything. It was like. It was the sort of thing that expressing it at all in a way that anybody could figure out, you would get yourself beaten nearly to death, if not completely. And sure. it was it was a different thing. And I'm like, Definitely. it's really uh, one of my favorite things about living in Los Angeles is that people give no fucks. Everybody here is so self indulgent and self involved. We all have our own <laughs> things to deal with. That they, nobody has time to deal with you and your thing. And it's like great, you know. But there was a time when that was not an option. and it's it's really amazing to to hang out and watch you guys have this sort of opportunity to not have to deal with that.
1: And that's you know, And that's, that's why I, a part of why I'm so excited that uh, we decided to bring this up because you provide an incredibly different, Experience, experience than than well, what but, we've had.
2: But you've also come from the, the and, and g- knowledge the g- g- Great White Midlands, you know, uh, and it's well, not yeah. exactly sure, like sure. that's the most progressive part of America either. No,
1: but it's not the South.
0: It's <laughs> not the
2: South. <laughs> Definitely not the Bible Belt. That's <laughs> true. right.
0: Yeah. And it's like I mean, at and least Bible at least a little for me, tight, didn't it?
2: Yeah. <laughs> it, it well, it, it gets it goes back and forth. It depends on whether or not they need to be tight. You know, the conservatives tend to be really concerned about democracy up until the point where that disagrees with their dogma and then they're not so supportive of it. And it's like kind of a convenience thing. I, I see this as a transition that goes across the board.
1: Like many American children, my parents got divorced while I was still under the age of 15. Like many people in middle America, we just didn't talk about it. It was. Uh, it was never really brought up when I was a kid. I didn't really understand that I was gay until later into my teens, and I was like, "Oh wait, that's what that is." I like looking at dicks. It doesn't mean I am bi. It means I'm. I'm just gay as shit. So <laughs> gay as shit. <laughs> I like that. That's my identity. My parents definitely knew. I don't know if they had a bet. Like I don't know if they went that far with it, but my, my parents, parents definitely knew.
2: Did you ever get the "It's OK to be gay" from your parents' speech? No. That's always one of those funny ones. I, I knew some I knew some people who got that before they came out, and I th- always thought, "Wow, your parents are awesome."
1: Uh, my parents were divorced when I was 10, and then they both got remarried within like three years, and that's just what it was. It was switching between parents. I didn't really have time to worry about what like was happening with my sexuality. It wasn't a question. It wasn't a factor.
0: So they never asked?
1: No. They okay. never asked, and there was never a conversation about the birds and the bees. Like, I never got...
0: You were just a teenage boy.
1: Yeah. It was like oh. a really ambiguous thing where we, there sexuality wasn't really a thing that was talked about in my house. And I don't think it was taboo. I just think it was... D- I've it didn't met, happen.
0: I've met all of your parents, and I agree with that. I think it yeah. was just like a, you know, what he'll figure it. it's fine.
1: <laughs> to be fair, I was actively independent I n- as know a teenager, you were. so you know, we, just like, we've been let me figure out my shit. Best Bye. friends
0: for a long time. It was very clear <laughs> to my parents and me.
2: Yeah, I was born a poor straight child in Al- in Alabama.
0: So this is the jerk, <laughs> but with Compi instead of Steve Martin.
2: And uh, no, the truth is that I, I was literally born in a trailer park in a very small trailer in the back of the park. And we moved our way up the park until eventually we lived in the house in the front of the trailer park. I grew up in the South and eventually, you know, there's a dynamic in small towns where people who don't fit in tend to float out of the place into the next larger town and if they don't fit in there they float again and they float again and hopefully they fit someplace because if they eventually get to the end of the cities they can get to and fit into and they don't fit anywhere they float out and wind up in all kinds of terrible situations but in in the south you eventually graduate to midtown atlanta and that's where you are allowed to be gay in the South and it's okay people are cool with you being gay there but everywhere else it's pretty much not cool and they will literally say to you why don't you go back to Midtown you know, I mean, it's like it's one of those things. I, and I have not lived there in quite some time. I moved to I, I escaped the South in the late 1990s and I have not looked back.
1: Cheers to that.
2: Yeah, <laughs> che- fucking
0: cheers. cheers.
2: <sniffs> you know, honestly, I, I have some friends in the South who have recently done things like gotten arrested with marijuana in their car and they're looking at actual jail time Yikes. for possession of marijuana. Bullshit. I can go down the street and buy marijuana from a store where the guy's like, which kind of marijuana would you like? And they charge tax on it. And these people are are literally facing jail time. It's it's like they live in the fucking 50s, man.
1: That reefer madness, though.
2: It's crazy. Anyway, there was in the olden days in the South, it was really bad to be gay. And it wasn't even some, one of those things. Like in the old days, we used to look at each other about drunk driving and be like, oh, that's kind of cool. Don't worry about it. Just like you shouldn't do that. Don't get yourself hurt. But being gay, yeah, that was that was a death sentence in some cases. And so it was one of those things that you didn't really consider it as, pop- as possibly something that was in your life. So at some point, you know, you, you come to this thing where you either uh are going to deal with it or not and it was a different time you know we had a different sort of approach to things there was not sort of a option of maybe kind of like whatever you could go and do your thing in the middle of atlanta and people would just not talk to you about it but once you ventured outside you were literally taking your life in your own hands sometimes so it's wonderful that things have changed so much i mean one of my favorite things about being in california is that it's such a bubble Mm-hmm. And people talking. Oh, it's not a liberal bubble. Oh, please, it definitely God, is. it is. It's really nice here. Yeah, <laughs> nobody cares.
1: Nobody gives a shit. That is the bubble I basically had. Is like nobody really gave a shit. That I never really came out. It wasn't a thing. It just didn't happen. My thought was always, "This is so stupid. Why is this necessary? Why do I have to make such a big deal?" about who i am attracted to. It's ludicrous and nobody does that. Like
0: I'm straight.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's just heteronormativity, but um I was trying to do a homonormativity sort of uh, approach to it. I didn't feel like it was necessary to say something until it came up.
0: Yeah, I didn't <clears throat> find out that Seth was gay until We we about ten
2: minutes after I met him. I had suspect maybe
0: theories. We had theories, okay, (laughs) me and my mom.
1: God damn it, ma'am!
0: Just immediately, me and my ma'am had feelings. Yeah, I was on our OkCupid. cupid. We had just moved to Arizona together, and I yeah, he was by on okay, cupid, and I kept going back to his profile. Because we were a 99.9% match. Gross. So I kept checking up on his every time I would answer questions to see if it would ever drop a percentage and it never goddamn did.
1: God, why are you so obsessed with me? I
0: don't know. I wish (laughs) I could answer that. Yeah, eventually I remember checking it and it said gay instead of bisexual. And I remember I think you were at work or I was at work. I don't remember. But I definitely texted you and I was just like, bitch, you gay. (laughs) Something along those lines. Like, are you serious? You're gay and you didn't tell me? (laughs) And you were like, yeah, duh. And I was like, well, no, I know, yeah, duh. But like, you didn't tell me out of all
1: people? Because I don't think it's important to have to say it. There should be no reason I should have to make it a point to tell you that. Mm -hmm. Because me as a human being is not simply that. And, and coming out feels like mm-hmm. I'm redefining myself to you. And I know I, it's not. It's just not.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> I totally, totally, totally agree.
2: Coming up next, coming out. Coming out. It's time for a word from our sponsors. Do you have dexterous feet or opposable big toes but can't use them practically? Sometimes you feel like you could use an extra hand. Now introducing Feet Gloves, restaurant quality disposable vinyl gloves for your feet. Double your number of usable digits with Feet Gloves. Don't just take my word for it, listen to what real hired actors have to say about them.
0: Having eight kids is tough and keeps my hands full. Cooking dinner for all those monsters was a nightmare but not anymore. Now that I have feet gloves, chopping, sautéing, and serving dinner for my family has never been more hygienic.
1: I always wear a pair of feet gloves. You never know when you'll be carrying both arms full of stuff and need to introduce yourself to someone, seal the deal, or pull off a complicated secret handshake. With foot gloves... I can give anyone a hearty foot shake without risk of spreading my athlete's foot.
2: Obviously, they love it, and you will too. Get your foot gloves today. You can have a 200-count pack delivered straight to your door for 8 easy payments of $2.63 plus shipping and handling. That's right, $2.63 plus shipping and handling. Call right now and we'll double your order for just $5 more. What are you waiting for? Pick up that phone with your incredible monkey feet and call 555-9556 right now.
0: Coming out. I guess my coming out story, um, I think I was in seventh grade and I had a crush on a girl who went to a different school than me. She was like friends of a friend. She ended up dating my best friend who was also a girl. And I remember going to a show that they were both invited to and seeing them together holding hands and it just like absolutely like shattered my 13 year old heart. And it was kind of that moment where I realized, like, oh, fuck, okay, <laughs> I like women. The next Christmas, I was at my uh, uncle's house in San Francisco, uncle's apartment. And um, it was, at that point, it was just me, my uncle, Bob, and uh, my mom. And my mom was very, very drunk at that And <laughs> she just said, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, you know, Uh, Lowe's twin uh, just recently came out. And uh, so Logan is the only straight one left in the family. And her and my uncle started to laugh. My uncle was gay as well. And I just looked at them both. And I was like, well. (laughs) And my mom nearly wet her pants (laughs) laughing as hard as she possibly could and that was kind of the end of it It was it was just a large series of laughter like oh you're not straight either okay (laughs) ha 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 yeah cool and that was it yeah there was no big deal there was no coming out party for me (laughs) you know (laughs) never had any backlash
2: i mean i guess that's great yeah it really is it's great
0: not common we're lucky to grow up in the generation that we grow up in where uh, we can come out with...
2: Lucky is a weird word, but I'll go, along, I'll go along with... There were a lot of things that you didn't suffer that other people did. That's easy enough. Yeah. It's, it's, it's nice to be able to be the people you are, you know, and th- that's the real difference.
0: With no repercussion.
2: The reality of it is that a lot of us just have this point where it's like, you know what? fuck it man I'm just not willing to sacrifice myself for everybody else in the world and I changed my life and it was really interesting because at some point or another I did have to go and deal with my family and in the south there was really not any chance of me doing this with most of my family so I talked to my mom We went to, we were out, I went to visit her in the town I grew up in, and we went out and we had some dinner, and we had a, we went to a couple different places that were near where I grew up, and it was really fun, and I was driving down the street talking to her, and I said, so I, you know, I want to talk to you about something, and she's like, okay, I was like, so, I just want to tell you, gay, she's like, oh, thank God, (laughs) (laughs) and I was like, what? She said, I thought you were going to tell me you were going to prison or you had some kind of disease and you were going to die or some shit. I thought it was really bad. And it was really great. It's like one of those chances that your parents are like, oh, uh, you know what? You're great. And uh, this was the only experience that I had with my entire family, all of them, that was actually really great. The rest of them were like, you know, we love you no matter what. Bullshit. (laughs) It's like, oh. And, And the best ones are the ones who will actually look you in the eye and say, Jesus says, love the sinner and hate the sin. And you look at them and you think, I could break your teeth. (laughs) (laughs) It's just, it's so hard to deal with people who have this sort of attitude. It's like, you know, honestly, I don't really want to have you in my life anymore. And that's where most of my stuff is right now. It's the truth of the matter is that I have basically written all of them off and said, you know what, you guys can have your world because that's not the one I come from. And that's the difference. You know, we were talking about this thing, you guys are giving your stories, and it really sits as a dichotomy for me because there's such a huge gap there. Right.
0: I considered it uh, like this plate is too hot. This plate is too cold. This plate is just right. Mine was almost too like
2: gay, 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 be gay, be gay, be gay. When you have two gay moms, that's kind of be expected. But honestly, you know, there's this, is, this is whole thing in, in the modern world where it's really nice to be able to see people actually able to just pursue themselves and not be forced to feel like I'm a terrible person because of this. You know, because I knew so many people who literally killed themselves because they were gay. I knew so many people whose lives were involunt- involuntarily cut short because they were gay. And it's one of these things where as everybody deals with it now and there's so many things to complain about and there's so many things that all these microaggressions and all it's it's really kind of difficult to sit stand back and go you're valid in your complaint right I, i'm sorry you know what people who have it's peanut more than allergies that. are valid people who have microaggressions a lot of times are really just looking for something to be offended about it, it, wow the kind of things that we used to have to deal with versus the kind of things they deal with
1: now is amazing mm-hmm. yeah i mean it. a a stark difference well
2: every time I hear people talking about the way that people have to deal with schools and things now and I can't help but thinking I I must be either an incredibly hard person or I just don't get life now. I mean everything from how long summer vacation is to the kind of things people are allowed to do in school. Don't compute with me.
0: I mean, either way, I feel like you can't compare any of those things to your own experience because it was fundamentally different. And I think that's where a
2: lot of people It's laugh. not fundamentally different. It was the same thing. We were all growing up, we were all going to school. Okay, I mean, I'm
0: sorry. The, rea-
2: right. the reality is, if you
0: fundamentally look, the if, same.
2: If you look at it in terms of being human, we're all human. We're all unique. We all have these weird lives. The difference is that time has changed, and the cultures changed, and the anthropology's changed. What we're really hoping that now is that we can figure out some sort of way to fix things and and get everybody kind of on the same page because we don't have that in our culture right now at all. Right. Yep.
1: And that's why we need a Pride Month. That's mm-hmm. why we need a month dedicated to us, motherfuckers who have very little representation otherwise.
2: Oh, well, it's really, that's actually a good point to talk about. I mean, because a lot of times people talk about why is there a gay pride month? Why isn't there a straight pride month? Well, you know what? Every fucking month is a straight pride month. Hell motherfucker. Yeah. You we know? know. Yeah. It's, it's the thing where you have to, you, people, what was it? Somebody came into the room the other day when it was like four or five of us gay people hanging out and talking about shit. And he felt like I've been gayed out of the room. And I'm like, well, you know what? Guess what? That's our, my entire fucking life. Right. man.
1: <laughs> I've been straighted out been of a lot of straighted out of, of rooms. every
2: horse I've ever been in. <laughs> yeah.
0: Not I mean,
1: every, but a lot of them.
0: Especially, I'm, I'm going to butt in here, and it's like I'm a relatively, like, hetero-presenting uh, person. Yeah, you're,
1: like, mostly straight, right? Mostly yeah, straight. Yeah, I'm mostly straight.
0: <laughs> so, uh, yeah, a couple of my friends behind my back, I specifically identify as pansexual. So that
2: has nothing to do with peanuts, right?
0: No. Pans. Pans. Just kitchen appliances. That's it. That's all I wanna fuck is kitchen aids and uh neutral bullets and that's that's it. Things with blades. What about the
1: slap chop?
0: Yes. <laughs> 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 Things with blades. Couple of my friends back home. Shout out back home. Back home. TVT. Love you back home. <laughs> Hometown. So, yeah, they had a conversation about my sexuality and decided that because I'm pansexual, but I uh, have a history of dating men, uh, I am mostly straight. And I'm, I'm going to be honest with you. I know that they were in a good place where they talked about it and um, didn't mean it in a malicious way or anything <laughs> About that, but holy fuck! Oh yeah. my god, how disrespectful! It's,
1: it's not their place That's to say what your good. sexuality is. It's fuck that.
0: not good.
1: None or, it's true.
0: Good or uh, true, especially
2: when everybody knows you are mostly pansexual. Uh, yeah,
0: yeah. I think I'm. That's it. I think it's actually fully pansexual.
2: I've been wondering what was happening to all my pans.
0: Uh, yeah. It was. It was really frustrating, and it's kind of hard to uh confront. That's really the well, only.
1: That's that's the hard part about it is, um, straight cis people love labels. Yeah. And and labels can be good for some people. Labels mm-hmm. can help them really kind of uh, feel in a place and can help them um, communicate who they are to other people. But they sure labels can. can be really dangerous. Like uh, I know a lot of people who are not down with the word queer. And we're all sitting here saying, oh, I'm queer as fuck. We're all queer as fuck. It's cool. It's it, We're just queer. It's really interesting the
2: community has owned that word so much in the past 10 to 15 years because I think it's still definitely cultural. You're talking about in the in the uh, coastal areas, <laughs> the population Our centers.
1: liberal bubble. The
2: liberal elites, yeah. There, there's true. There's plenty of places in the world where queer is still terribly pejorative. And, and here it's like a moment. It's, the, You know, it's really interesting. One of the things that I remember learning early on... It, was that pride is really something that it transcends everything. Pride is something that will really put people, I, I don't mean to say in their place, it puts people on their back heel. It puts them defensive because when you, people come up to you and they tell you you're a fag, you're queer, you're a fucking piece of shit, and you look at them and you go, Excuse me? There's nothing wrong with me. <laughs> You know, it really, it stops them it, 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 because they, do, they expect you to cower and they expect you to acquiesce and they expect you to p- fall victim to the normal social things that they have that they're working off of. And when you stand there in front of them and you have pride and you, you maintain yourself, it makes a difference. And that's what the whole queer thing is about. That's what gay pride is about. It's not a matter of going out and going, woo, I'm so gay. It's like, no, you, I, I am a real person and I have a legitimate existence, and there's no reason, You yes, I'm gay, fuck you. What does that have to do? I'm also a lot smarter than you, you piece of shit. You know, I mean, there are a lot of times when people come up and they present that stuff to you, you can assume that they're not very bright, because they wouldn't be doing this if they were. You know, and it's not really fair to attack them on that level, but at the same time, they're coming at you with a thing where you're totally unprepared to deal with them otherwise. So, pride is not simply a matter of Of showboating and that's one of the things that's always bothered me about the pride festivals I'm hugely into standing my ground and being honest with people about who I am and what happens in the world but I don't want to go out and flaunt myself in front of people I don't want to be super gay I don't need any of that stuff I just want to be proud to be who I am right and now a word from our sponsors
1: Deforestation and climate change displace thousands of animals every year, and we need your help. Through our efforts, and with the help of tens of volunteers, we've rescued over 500 animals at risk of losing their homes and lives, but we need somewhere to put them. Our organization assists with care costs, up to the price of a cup of coffee a day. Give us a call, and you can offer your home to an orphan orangutan, panda, tiger, Or penguin in need. Right now, there's an animal who needs you. Pledge your home and potential safety to 555-9565. Your call says, I'm here to help and can't afford my own coffee.
2: Brought to you by the ASPCA, America's Strange Podcast for Cuddly Animals.
1: Speaking of wildlife, it is time for... The segment of the show that we are apparently just going to do all the time, uh, which
0: is (laughs) That
2: was beautiful for not having rehearsed at all. Yeah. So it was actually kind of, um, it, it was emotional to tell the truth. There was someone posted that they saw a crow caught in a wire. And the crow was actually hung up in a wire and literally dangling from the cross wire. And what bl- kind of wire? Oh, no. It was a phone pole. It was a crow on a phone pole. The short version of this is there was a pole, a pole hanging from a crow. No, there was a crow hanging from a pole. And uh, the it, it showed up on Facebook in our little community of artists here in Los Angeles. And strangely enough, they all got motivated in a real hurry and wound up the people that run the place have a cherry picker forklift thing that they rolled out, rolled it up, lifted lifted the guy up and they picked the crow up out of the wire and took him over to the vet and they're going to have him fixed. So like while the crow's in the wire, there's this other crow sitting on the pole, right? And this other crow's like on the wire and it's making this noise and that's how the attention got drawn in the first place and when they took the other crow down, second crow stayed there on the wire. Mm-hmm. and the second crow is still right now it's like eight hours nine hours later the second crow is still out there on the pole on the wire waiting for the first crow to come back
0: because they mate for life
2: and it's like where'd my buddy go the truth is that they took them to the animal control people and they said take him to the vet and the vet was like you know what we will take care of this this is an animal rescue place They said, as soon as this bird's ready to go, we will bring him back and take him to the same pole that he was on, which is like every, well, it made all of us feel like uh, this whole thing, like, you know, hopefully, apparently this bird's not badly hurt, and, you know, hopefully they can get back together.
1: I ship those crows so hard.
2: It's so hard, man.
1: are crows are loyal as fuck.
0: And so smart. Honestly, honestly,
1: I'm trying to make friends with the crows that hang out around here.
0: Same. Um, Shiny shit.
1: Probably, yes. That's what we need. So I saw a video recently on the internet, but it's this crow that seems to have been trained by the owners of this house to come up and eat food with them. This story was told by someone who was like house sitting for these people. And this crow just came up and wanted some fucking oatmeal or some shit. That's amazing. I saw that. So from then on. I have wanted to be friends with a crow so bad. For the record, to close that off, they actually named that crow Russell Crow.
2: Of
0: course, they did. It is Russell Crow.
2: We have a great community. It's regardless (laughs) of how weird and and eclectic it is, there it's a good community. People.
1: I mean, L.A. in general is weird and eclectic. They literally went
2: up in a cherry picker to pull a bird out of a phone (laughs) pole and (laughs) take it to the vet. That's That's good people. That's a nice thing. (laughs)
1: Yeah, there, there's so much in downtown Los Angeles that is so eccentric. Like, you will experience a lot of different kinds of people. And on the note of eccentric, uh, Lo and I were going to Echo Park the other day. And we were waiting for this bus downtown. And, you know, at, it, sometimes you sit at a bus stop and there's someone taking a piss. Or there's someone, like, just tripping being, out, something, doing something fucking weird. And that's that's common. But uh, every, everything at this bus stop was fine. People were sitting on the bench. They were waiting for their buses. We had to wait 13 goddamn minutes. So that was something. Some bullshit. And that, oh, uh, the horror. So we were waiting for this bus, and everyone around us seems pretty normal. We're like, okay, everything's cool. And suddenly the low drone of a helicopter comes over the hill and it's the Los Angeles Police Department. Suddenly, this lady behind us starts cackling and yelling, I can't do the cackle. Wouldn't you do the cackle? <laughs> you you, you freaking studs! LAPD, I love you, pilots, you freaking studs! We love you. Like that, That's that was our bus stop experience. Um, for those couple of moments there and and slowly the helicopter drifted away and everything was silent again and she was okay. just standing there with her just fine. with her shopping basket that you know people take on buses to carry their groceries home and she was fine and everything was cool
2: i have to say i think you need to sample that out and make that the intro to the show probably you laughing and him screaming you studs I feel you like studs it's the beginning of the i'll, I'll get I'll do- you my pretty it was kind of you, and
0: your little dog. Too.
2: Let's
1: let's not get too excited cuz this story is not fucking over. And suddenly there's another drone. The sound of a helicopter approaching. And I brace myself. I I, I do a little brace. I'm I'm ready for it. You freaking studs. We love you. LAPD pilots, you crazy. You freaking studs. We love ya! Ah! And then it stopped. As the second helicopter drifted away. So, I'm like looking at my phone, wondering where the fuck this bus is. Four minutes away. And I was expecting that we would get this bus before it happened. But it happened again. It was not a helicopter the third time. It was a two-passenger plane. It was a propeller fucking airplane, flying over downtown Los Angeles, yet again. Oh, you pilots! You frickin' studs! We love you. God bless America! We love you. And then the plane flew away. The bus came shortly after, and we were rescued, but that was a very wild 13 minutes.
0: I like that. (laughs) All right. What's our last thing on the menu? So, uh, Seth, what did you learn this week?
1: So this week, um, I learned that there is a potential candidate for a fifth force of nature in our universe.
2: Lady Gaga. There are five? uh,
1: there are four known for sure. Prince.
2: uh, Earth, wind, and fire.
1: So, yes. Uh. Potential fifth force of nature. There are currently four that are known and established, and that's a gravitational force, electromagnetic force, strong nuclear and weak nuclear forces. Okay. And then there's another one uh, that may be caused by something called a protophobic ex boson. Boson? Okay. Boson. What, what does that know.
2: mean? Why uh,
1: why doesn't it like protos? Protos are gay. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't it doesn't exactly like know. Gays? Um they're the, Explain.
2: Uh, <clears throat> Uh, to be fair, it's they were they were working really hard to try and figure out this. The whole dark matter thing has been a oh yeah, that's definitely it's, part it's of been it. a problem. It's, yeah. it's been a problem in metaphysics or sorry in in astrophysics for a long time. And they've been trying to work through this. And one of the things that they came about they came across was that while working through different ideas about how things they thought were working already didn't work out, one of the things that did work out was the notion that if we assume that there's a fifth force here, which is extremely weak, so weak that we can't actually measure it, even weaker than the weak force. Super weak force is the one that explains the other 85% of the mass in the universe that's dark and just sits there and floats in space, and yet affects everything out there.
1: It is a step further in understanding our universe and, and everything that we experience, so it is something that I love to learn about.
2: So this week I learned that uh, I have to remember I live, in a,
1: I live in a bubble.
2: Well, it's one of those things where I have a perfectly reasonable right to have an opinion and talk about things and think about things and know about things and discuss things in a logical and reasonable manner with people who also have these same sorts of uh, basic understandings of subjects. And then occasionally I find myself using the social medias and I get involved with people who don't live in my bubble. And it's interesting how I can never, ever, under any circumstances, get any sort of a rational discussion where actual topics and theosophical discussions are being had it's always a matter of at some point or another, somebody goes off and finds some photos in my feed someplace and starts talking about how gay I am. It's really interesting how you can't have a rational discussion with somebody before somebody they go looking for something to dig into. You can find yourself on the wrong end of that where you drag somebody out and instead of getting an opportunity for them to hang themselves, they just go back in and, and do an ad hominem. The specific what was said was, you know, irrelevant. It was just the fact that I had a conversation with somebody and they wouldn't carry the conversation without going and digging into me personally and attacking. The thing that I learned this week was I live in a bubble. All right, thanks very much.
1: That is all for us this time. I'm Seth. And I'm Lo. And thank you for joining us on A Strange Exchange. Follow us on Twitter at SethNLowPod.
0: A strange exchange. I don't know.
1: Maybe I'll come up with a theme song eventually.